Letter nineteen of Clarissa Harlowe on the History of a Young Lady, Volume five. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Clarissa Harlowe or the History of a Young Lady, Volume five, by Samuel Richardson. Letter nineteen. Mr. Lovelace to John Belford, Esquire, Thursday evening, June eighth. Oh, for a curse to kill with! ruined undone outwitted tricked zounds man the lady has gone off absolutely gone off escaped thou knowest not nor canst conceive the pangs that wring my heart what can i do o lord o lord o lord and thou too who has endeavoured to weaken my hands wilt but clap thy dragon's wings at the tidings yet i must write or i shall go distracted little less have i been these two hours dispatching messengers to every stage to every inn to every wagon or coach whether flying or creeping and to every house with a bill up for five miles around the little hypocrite who knows not a soul in this town i thought i was sure of her at any time such an unexperienced traitress giving me hope too in her first billet that her expectation of the family reconciliation would withhold her from taking such a step as this curse upon her contrivances I thought that it was owing to her bashfulness, to her modesty, that after a few innocent freedoms she could not look me in the face, when all the while she was impudently, yes, I say impudently, though she be Clarissa Harlowe, contriving to rob me of the dearest property I had ever purchased, purchased by a painful servitude of many months, fighting through the wild beasts of her family for her, and combating with a windmill virtue, which hath cost me millions of perjuries only to attempt, and which now, with its damned air fans, has tossed me a mile and a half beyond hope. And this, just as I had arrived within view of the consummation of all my wishes. O oh, devil of love, god of love no more, how have I deserved this of thee? Never before the friend of frozen virtue, powerless demon, for powerless thou must be, if thou meanest not to frustrate my hopes, who shall henceforth kneel at thy altars. May every enterprising heart abhor, despise, execrate, renounce thee as I do. But, O oh, Belford, Belford, what signifies cursing now? How she could effect this her wicked escape is my astonishment, the whole sisterhood having charge of her, for as yet I have not had patience enough to inquire into the particulars, nor to let a soul of them approach me. Of this I am sure, I had not brought her hither, there is not a creature belonging to this house that could be corrupted either by virtue or remorse. The highest joy every infernal nymph of this worse than infernal habitation could have known would have been to reduce this proud beauty to her own level. And as to my villain who also had charge of her, he is such a seasoned varlet that he delights in mischief for the sake of it. No bribe could seduce him to betray his trust, were there but wickedness in it. Tis well, however, he was out of my way when the cursed news was imparted to me, gone the villain in quest of her not to return nor to see my face so it seems he declared till he has heard some tidings of her and all the out-of-place varlets of his numerous acquaintance are summoned and employed in the same business to what purpose brought i this angel angel i must yet call her to this hellish house and was i not meditating to do her deserved honour by my soul belford i was resolved but thou knowest what i had conditionally resolved and now who can tell into what hands she may have fallen I am mad, stark mad by Jupiter, at the thoughts of this, unprovided, destitute, unacquainted, some villain worse than myself, who adores her not as I adore her, may have seized her and taken advantage of her distress. Let me perish, Belford, if a whole hecatomb of innocence, as the little plagues are called, shall atone for the broken promises and wicked artifices of this cruel creature. 
Going home as I did, with resolutions favourable to her, judge thou of my distraction when her escape was first hinted to me, although but in broken sentences. I knew not what I said, nor what I did. I wanted to kill somebody. I flew out of one room into another, who broke the matter to me. I charged bribery and corruption, in my first fury, upon all, and threatened destruction to old and young, as they should come in my way. Dorcas continues locked up from me. Sally and Polly have not yet dared to appear. The vile Sinclair— but here comes the odious devil. She taps at the door, thought that's only a jar, whining and snuffling, to try, I suppose, to coax me into temper. What a helpless state, where a man can only execrate himself and others, the occasion of his rage remaining, the evil increasing upon reflection, time itself conspiring to deepen it. Oh, how I cursed her! I have her now, methinks, before me, blubbering. How odious does sorrow make an ugly face! Thine, Jack, and this old beldam's impenitentials, instead of moving compassion, must evermore confirm hatred. While beauty in tears is beauty heightened, and what my heart has ever delighted to see. What excuse, confound you and your cursed daughters, what excuse can you make? Is she not gone? Has she not escaped? But before I am quite distracted, before I commit half a hundred murders, let me hear how it was. I have heard her story. Art, damned, confounded, wicked, unpardonable art is a woman of her character. But show me a woman, and I'll show thee a plotter. This plaguy sex is art itself. Every individual of it is a plotter by nature. This is the substance of the old wretch's account. She told me that I had no sooner left the vile house than Dorcas acquainted the siren. Do, Jack, let me call her names. I beseech thee, Jack, to permit me to call her names. That Dorcas acquainted her lady with it, and that I had left word that I was gone to Doctors' Commons, and should be heard of for some hours at the horn there, if inquired after by the counsellor, or anybody else, that afterwards I should be either at the cocoa-tree, or king's arms, and should not return till late. She then urged her to take some refreshment. She was in tears when Dorcas approached her, her saucy eyes swelled with weeping. She refused either to eat or drink, sighed as if her heart would break. False, devilish grief, not the humble, silent grief that only deserves pity contriving to ruin me, to despoil me of all that I held valuable in the very midst of it. Nevertheless, being resolved not to see me for a week at least, she ordered her to bring up three or four French rolls with a little butter, and a decanter of water telling her she would dispense with her attendance, and that should be all she should live upon in the interim. So artful creature, pretending to lay up for a week's siege. For as to substantial food, she no more than other angels. Angels, said I, the devil take me if she be any more an angel, for she is odious in my eyes, and I hate her mortally. But, oh, loveless, thou liest! She is all that is lovely, all that is excellent. But is she? Can she be gone? Oh, how Miss Howe will triumph! But if that little fury receive her, fate shall make me rich amends, for then will I contrive to have them both. I was looking back for connection, but the devil take connection. I have no business with it. The contrary best befits distraction, and that will soon be my lot. Dorcas consulted the old wretch about obeying her. Oh, yes, by all means, for Mr. Lovelace knew how to come at her at any time, and directed a bottle of sherry to be added. This cheerful compliance so obliged her that she was prevailed upon to go up, and look at the damage done by the fire, and seemed not only shocked by it, but, as they thought, satisfied it was no trick, as she owned she had at first apprehended it to be. All this made them secure, and they laughed in their sleeves to think what a childish way of showing her resentment she had found out, Sally throwing out her witticisms, that Mrs. Lovelace was right, however, not to quarrel with her bread and butter. Now this very childishness, as they imagined it, in such a genius, would have made me suspect either her head, after what had happened the night before, 
or her purpose when the marriage was so far as she knew to be completed within the week in which she was resolved to secrete herself from me in the same house she sent will with a letter to wilson's directed to miss howe ordering him to inquire if there were not one for her there he only pretended to go and brought word there was none and put her letter in his pocket for me she then ordered him to carry another which she gave him to the horn tavern to me all this done without any seeming hurry yet she appeared to be very solemn and put her handkerchief frequently to her eyes will pretended to come to me with this letter but then the dog had the sagacity to mistrust something on her sending him out a second time and to me whom she had refused to see which he thought extraordinary and mentioned his mistrust to sally polly and dorcas yet they made light of his suspicions dorcas assuring them all that her lady seemed more stupid with her grief than active and that she really believed she was a little turned in her head and knew not what she did but all of them depended upon her inexperience her open temper and upon her not making the least motion towards going out or to have a coach or chair called as sometimes she had done and still more upon the preparation she had made for a week's siege as i may call it will went out pretending to bring the letter to me but quickly returned his heart still misgiving him on recollecting my frequent cautions that he was not to judge for himself when he had positive orders but if any doubt occurred from circumstances i could not foresee literally to follow them as the only way to avoid blame but it must have been in this little interval that she escaped for soon after his return they made fast the street door and hatch the mother and the two nymphs taking a little turn into the garden dorcas going upstairs and will to avoid being seen by his lady or his voice heard down into the kitchen about half an hour after dorcas who had planted herself where she could see her lady's door open had the curiosity to go look through the keyhole having a misgiving as she said that the lady might offer some violence to herself in the mood she had been in all day and finding the key in the door which was not very usual she tapped at it three or four times and having no answer opened it with madam madam did you call supposing her in her closet having no answer she stepped forward and was astonished to find she was not there she hastily ran into the dining-room then into my apartment searched every closet dreading all the time to behold some sad catastrophe not finding her anywhere she ran down to the old creature and her nymphs with a have you seen my lady then she's gone she's nowhere above they were sure she could not be gone out the whole house was in an uproar in an instant some running upstairs some down from the upper rooms to the lower and all screaming how should they look me in the face will cried out he was a dead man he blamed them they him and every one was an accuser and an excuser at the same time when they had searched a whole house and every closet in it ten times over to no purpose they took it into their heads to send to all the porters chairmen and hackney coachmen that had been near the house for two hours past to inquire if any of them saw such a young lady describing her this brought them some light the only dawning for hope that i can have and which keeps me from absolute despair one of the chairmen gave them this account that he saw such a one come out of the house a little before four in a great hurry and as if frighted with a little parcel tied up in a handkerchief in her hand that he took notice to his fellow who plied her without her answering that she was a fine young lady that he'd warrant she had either a husband or very cross parents for that her eyes seemed swelled with crying upon which a third fellow replied that it might be a doe escaped from mother damnable's park this mrs sinclair told me with a curse and a wish that she had a better reputation so handsomely as she lived and so justly as she paid everybody for what she bought her house visited by the best and civilest of gentlemen and no noise or brawls ever heard or known in it from these appearances the fellow who gave this information had the curiosity to follow her unperceived she often looked back everybody who passed her turned to look after her passing their verdict upon her tears her hurry and her charming person till coming to a stand of coaches a coachman plied her was accepted alighted opened the coach-door in a hurry seeing her hurry and in it she stumbled for haste 
and as the fellow believed hurt her shin with the stumble the devil take me belford if my generous heart is not moved for her notwithstanding her wicked deceit to think what must be her reflections and apprehensions at the time a mind so delicate heeding no censures yet probably afraid of being laid hold of by a loveless in every one she saw at the same time not knowing to what danger she was about to expose herself nor of whom she could obtain shelter a stranger to the town and to all its ways the afternoon far gone but little money and no clothes but those she had on it is impossible in this little interval since last night that miss howe's townsend could be cooperating but how she must abhor me to run all these risks how heartily she must detest me for my freedoms of last night oh that i had given her greater reason for a resentment so violent as to her virtue i am too much enraged to give her the merit due to that to virtue it cannot be owing that she should fly from the charming prospects that were before her but to malice hatred contempt harlow pride the worst of pride and to all the deadly passions that have reigned in a female breast and if i can but recover her but be still be calm be hushed my stormy passions for is it not clarissa harlow must i say that thus far i rave against the fellow heard her say drive fast very fast where madam to Hoban bars answered she repeating drive very fast and up she pulled both the windows and he lost sight of the coach in a minute will as soon as he had this intelligence speeded away in hopes to trace her out declaring that he would never think of seeing me till he had heard some tidings of his lady and now belford all my hope is that this fellow who attended us in our airing to hampstead to highgate to muswell hill to kentish town will hear of her at some one or other of those places and on this i the rather build as i remember she was once after our return very inquisitive about the stages and their prices praising the conveniency to passengers in their going off every hour and this in will's hearing who was then in attendance woe be to the villain if he recollect not this i have been traversing her room meditating or taking up everything she but touched or used the glass she dressed at i was ready to break for not giving me the personal image it was wont to reflect of her whose idea is for ever present with me i call for her now in the tenderest now in the most reproachful terms as if within hearing wanting her i want my own soul at least everything dear to it what a void in my heart what a chillness in my blood as if its circulation was arrested from her room to my own in the dining-room and in and out of every place where i have seen the beloved of my heart do i hurry in none can i tarry her lovely image in every one in some lively attitude rushing cruelly upon me in differently remembered conversations but when in my first fury at my return i went up two pairs of stairs resolved to find the locked-up dorcas and beheld the vainly burnt window-board and recollected my baffled contrivances baffled by my own weak folly i thought my distraction completed and down i ran as one frighted at a spectre ready to howl for vexation my head and my temples shooting with a violence i had never felt before and my back aching as if the vertebrae were disjointed and falling in pieces but now that i have heard the mother's story and contemplated the dawning hopes given by the chairman's information i am a good deal easier and can make cooler reflections most heartily pray i for will's success every four or five minutes if i lose her all my rage will return with redoubled fury the disgrace to be thus outwitted by a novice an infant in stratagem and contrivance added to the violence of my passion for her will either break my heart or what saves many a heart in evils insupportable turn my brain what had i to do to go out a license hunting at least till i had seen her and made up matters with her and indeed were it not the privilege of a principal to lay all his own faults upon his underlings and never be to blame himself i should be apt to reflect that i am more in fault than anybody and as the sting of this reflection will sharpen upon me if i recover her not how shall i ever be able to bear it 
if ever here mr lovelace lays himself under a curse too shocking to be repeated if he revenge not himself upon the lady should he once more get her into his hands i have just now dismissed the snivelling toad dorcas who was introduced to me for my pardon by the whining mother i gave her a kind of negative and ungracious forgiveness yet i shall as violently curse the two nymphs by and by for the consequences of my own folly and if this will be a good way too to prevent their ridicule upon me for losing so glorious an opportunity as i had last night or rather this morning i have corrected from the result of the inquiries made of the chairman and from dorcas's observations before the cruel creature escaped a description of her dress and i am resolved if i cannot otherwise hear of her to advertise her in the gazette as an eloped wife both by her maiden and acknowledged name for her elopement will soon be known by every enemy why then should not my friends be made acquainted with it from whose inquiries and informations i may expect some tidings of her she had on a brown lustring nightgown fresh and looking like new as everything she wears does whether new or not from an elegance natural to her a beaver hat a black ribbon about her neck and blue knots on her breast a quilted petticoat of carnation-coloured satin a rose diamond ring supposed on her finger and in her whole person and appearance as i shall express it a dignity as well as beauty that commands the repeated attention of every one who sees her the description of her person i shall take a little more pains about my mind must be more at ease before i undertake that and i shall threaten that if after a certain period given for her voluntary return she be not heard of i will prosecute any person who presumes to entertain harbour abet or encourage her with all the vengeance that an injured gentleman and husband may be warranted to take by law or otherwise fresh cause of aggravation but for this scribbling vein or i should still run mad again going into her chamber because it was hers and sighing over the bed and every piece of furniture in it i cast my eye towards the drawers of the dressing-glass and saw peep out as it were in one of the half-drawn drawers the corner of a letter i snatched it out and found it superscribed by her to mr lovelace the sight of it made my heart leap and i trembled so that i could hardly open the seal how does this damned love unman me but nobody ever loved as i love it has even increased by her unworthy flight and my disappointment ungrateful creature to fly from a passion thus ardently flaming which like the palm rises the more for being depressed and slighted i will not give thee a copy of this letter i owe her not so much service but wouldst thou think that this haughty promise-breaker could resolve as she does absolutely and for ever to renounce me for what passed last night that she could resolve to forego all her opening prospects of reconciliation the reconciliation with a worthless family on which she has set her whole heart yet she does she acquits me of all obligation to her and herself of all expectations from me and for what oh that indeed i had given her real cause damned confounded niceness prudery affectation or pretty ignorance if not affectation by my soul belford i told thee all i was more indebted to her struggles than to my own forwardness i cannot support my own reflections upon a decency so ill-requited she could not she would not have been so much a harlow in her resentment all she feared had then been over and her own good sense and even modesty would have taught her to make the best of it but if ever again i get her into my hands art and more art and compulsion too if she make it necessary and tis plain that nothing else will do shall she experience from the man whose fear of her has been above even his passion for her and whose gentleness and forbearance she has thus perfidiously triumphed over well says the poet tis nobler like a lion to invade when appetite directs and sees my prey than to wait tamely like a begging dog till dull consent throws out the scraps of love thou knowest what i have so lately vowed and yet at times cruel creature and ungrateful as cruel 
I can subscribe with too much truth to those lines of another poet. She reigns more fully in my soul than ever. She garrisons my breast and mans against me even my own rebel thoughts with thousand graces, ten thousand charms, and new-discovered beauties. End of letter 19